3: will be our experimental tomorrow.
4: Welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was, and the way it is in your
1: memories. All right, welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, the official podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society. This is episode 71.5, 50th Anniversary Memories, where we'll be taking you back to the memories that you had of the park. So I am your host, Todd McCarty, and sitting with me for this
2: episode is Mr. J.T. Couser. How are you doing tonight, J.T.? I am doing great. Uh, Excited for this one. Lots of good letters coming in, and we we got lots of good stuff to share, and I'm excited about... You guys opened up the retro line again. I love when we open up the retro line. I mean, it's always people open. People called but in a lot of people. I was getting called in emails that. left and right today. So, exactly. very good. Exactly.
1: And also coming now, uh, we have to introduce the next person. And as always, I, I've been trying to work in different ways of introducing how because I was informed a couple episodes ago that he's really not in Tampa. He's in St. Petersburg. So, I have the last one. It's instead of St. Petersburg, from St. Pete tonight, Mr. Hal Bowers. How are you doing
5: tonight, Hal? Aloha. Thank you. Yeah, St. Pete. Yeah. It's our little short. Yeah. And, and in f- fact, one of our beach cities, St. Petersburg Beach, officially mm-hmm. changed their name to St. Pete Beach because they love the the shortness and the friendliness of it. Pete Beach. I like that. Well, I am officially, I'm
1: going to have to do some more, but I, I'm officially out of the list of, of nicknames for, for St. Petersburg. So I am going to move maybe around to the surrounding area and say that you're neighboring to, you know, Tampa. But I've got names for for tampa coming up as well so
5: oh i've got names for tampa too good send them on (laughs) in we want to make sure
2: people know where you are (laughs) so
5: i don't know if i can repeat them on the show it's a family well all right no i'm kidding i'm kidding you could do some
2: florida nicknames i'm sure there's a lot of those Mm -hmm. florida man we had him right here that's right
1: and coming in from philadelphia mr brian p miles how you doing tonight brian
4: greetings and salutations todd it's great to be here, Fred, everybody, and sharing memories. That's right. So the reason we put this together is that, uh, as you may recall,
1: episode 71 was our 50th anniversary look back at uh, Walt Disney World. And, uh, you know, I we got a lot of letters and got a lot of – guys, we got a lot
4: feedback. We got of a lot feedback. of feedback from that episode <laughs> feedback, where we right? shared our own memories of, of yeah. you know, things that made the park special to us and important to us and why we do this and – uh, really connected with people. We made some people cry.
1: Yeah, yeah. With uh, You mentioned you had tears in your eyes, and a lot of you wrote in your own memories. So we're going to read them for you, uh, and we we're going to play some back from the phone line and really dive into uh, what your memories are, because we, like we said at the top here, we told our story, and we want to make sure that our listeners can hear your stories out there as well. So Brian, you're going to uh, take us through this first letter here uh, from Jim, so uh, I'll let you get started.
4: I absolutely loved the 50th anniversary episode, the format, the stories, the magic, hearing everyone's stories about their experiences in the parks and what makes them magical made me remember my experiences. I definitely felt a lot more magic visiting Disney with my kids. Our first visit with kids was in 2013 and our older daughter was psyched. She was six years old. Listening to her enthusiasm in the video, you can see it. Her younger sister was a little skeptical. But the smiles at the character meal at Crystal Palace are priceless. That's a great character meal, by the way, with the characters from Pooh. Our second visit, both of them went wild when we drove under the Welcome to Walt Disney World sign. Uh, He sent us some videos so so we could watch them, too, which was really neat. They told the kids they were moving from North Carolina to Florida. And a big positive was that they'd be able to go to Disney a lot more. He says they got annual passes and went quite a bit, and the kids still had a lot of enthusiasm those first three years. Then they took a year off with the APs, and when they got them back, the magic had returned. They canceled them during COVID and just uh, a few weeks ago got them back. He said his younger daughter, now 11, yells enthusiastically every time they go under the sign. The 14-year-old is aged out of that part, but she still loves the parks. We've all been 14. But he mentions that Howe and I talked on the episode about how enjoyable the parks are and and, at a different phase to just sit on a bench and enjoy the place. He does say that Universal has some great new rides, but outside of the Wizarding World, they have very few places to sit and take in the magic. Being a pass holder and knowing that he'll be back, freedom from the need of feeling to do everything. That's a big change for me, I guess. And I don't know if I mentioned that on that 50th show, but as I started going more, and knew i'd be back because i'm an adult i can control that oh yes i'm <laughs> going to come back here you know at a certain point there wasn't this incessant need to tick all the boxes on every trip if the line was too long for something for big thunder on a certain day or so ah, well, get it next time uh so he he does hit that well but he loves listening to our show and reliving the magic with his kids by going through their photo collection they visited with many friends and family and uh He said for anyone finding our podcast in the future, he'd point them to that 50th anniversary episode to start with. It's different from the others, but it tells why we, the collective four of us, all love the parks as much as we do. And he enjoys all of our visits and 50th anniversary. Thank you for your letter, Jim.
1: All right, uh, guys, I'll take the second one here. Uh, This is from John, and uh, he says, guys, love the podcast. Just finished and want to share here. Uh, he sends us a picture from 1979. He says, I think they were called puka shells, which how that's correct. Right. They're puka shells. Yeah, I we, think we looked that up. Yeah. We tweeted a picture of a young me wearing some of them uh, after the luau. Uh, so John says his first trip was back in 1975. It was Easter break from school and it was a long drive from New Jersey to Florida. Sign after sign
4: for south of the border
1: along the way.
4: Oh, south of the border. Yeah, For people who don't know, south of the border is on the border between North and South Carolina. That's funny because you would think a place called south of the border would be more Mexico. Well, no, it is on the it's on the South Carolina side of the border. And uh, the signs start uh, Well, they used to start back in the day, like 500 miles north. I think they're they're more in like a 200 mile range now, but. Uh, there used to be a lot more of them but there are billboards all along I95 uh letting you know that you're getting closer and closer to south of the border. It's a giant tourist trap. Uh you can't miss it cuz there's a giant uh sombrero that says south of the border and it's 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 its own little encampment there at one time uh in the in the era of the highway traveler uh it was a place where people would go for the day and and stay overnight and there were various tourist attractions, catering facilities, restaurants. There's still a lot of gift shops and things like that there, but I don't know that it's really a place that people stop as a as a, as a destination for the vacation anymore, <laughs> as opposed to stopping to tank up, uh, get something to eat, use the bathroom and uh, shop for the world's largest hat or the biggest belt store or something like that. But I bring it up. I stop you here in the middle of this letter because uh, I have a favorite uh billboard because there's about uh like i said there there used to be like a hundred of them or whatever and a lot of them are very funny uh but my favorite one is as you get very close to it heading south uh you know from from the northeast where i live uh the billboard says kids keep yelling they'll stop (laughs) (laughs) it's
1: partially
2: true
4: yeah
1: yes now, South Carolina, I mean, south of the border, Brian, you know, a lot of the films that we've seen and, and, and even some photos, my grandparents, their log, they stopped there. It was a place to stop in the 70s. Mm-hmm. If you were driving to Florida, it was a
4: destination. I, I drove so. it uh, Christmas week of 2019 um, and I did stop. I stopped for about a half an hour to walk through the gift shop and use the bathroom and one of the gift shops. But there's a fireworks store there yeah. and there's just a bunch of stuff, so.
1: And the cascading billboards, if you will, is uh gentlemen, I don't know if you've ever if you heard this story, but this is uh goes back um, into the around the nineteen fifties, nineteen twenty-five. There was a company by the name of Burma Shave. They were shaving product. Yeah. yeah. And they were the ones that actually implemented, I don't want to call it invented, the, but they would put small the viral signs.
4: Spiral billboard, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Exactly. They would put six small signs like, you know, next exit. Be sure to stop here. And get, you know, and you'd be looking for the next one. And they were they were relatively close together. So if you ever see that, that that is a te- uh, advertising technique from Burma Shave.
5: And um, It didn't
1: save Nova- the company though, because <laughs> no. I don't think not. Burma Shave's around anymore, <laughs> is it? Exactly. exactly.
5: Didn't they so, uh, don't they have that set up over the Arna animation and like a cars thing where there's I think so something that ends with like Oh
1: yes, think that's think right. again? Yep. That's right.
5: I okay. keep seeing so, the think again picture. And then I again. had to find out the context of it one day. Then it was like I discovered that there was these sperm shaped signs there. There you go.
1: All right. So back to John's letter here. One of the things he remembers as an 11 year old staying at Fort Wilderness was renting the Airstream trailer with the family uh, on Jack Rabbit Run Loop and all the things you could do at Fort Wilderness. So, you know, JT, I'm sure you were, this is a memory right up your lane here. So he's just taking the boat rides from Bay Lake to Fort Wilderness to Treasure Island to the Magic Kingdom. Uh, on the motor cruise boats. And he says, to this day, I flash back to Disney when I hear a boat or a train whistle. There is a certain sound, there's certain echo of those trains
5: and boats that that just resonates in that area. It kind of uh, makes my, the hair on the back of my neck
2: stand up at end when
5: I'm yeah. like waiting and then I hear that. And you're like, oh, yeah, ah, there, there it is. There it
2: is. Uh, it's like a it's it's like a stressful noise sometimes too. It's because you know you're. I you're, remember walking past Pioneer Hall and you hear that boat whistle and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> Got to so, run and jump on board.
4: So uh, here's an experience that probably connects to people now. When I hear the boat coming, I am always counting people in line in front of me. Like, am <laughs> I going to get on this boat or is it going to be full before we we in our place in line get up to board the boat? So sure. there is a, a measure of apprehension there. Uh,
2: I always do. also think, too, is the uh, weekend of Bernie's. Fred, uh, it's
0: leaving. Come on, Richard. I told you we should have taken a taxi from the station. How it are we doing? Mind yourselves here. Come. What are you doing? We are not jumping on this boat. You hear me? Listen to me, Larry. We are not jumping on this boat. I got it. Oh. Larry, this ferry isn't leaving. It's docking.
4: <laughs> when they hop onto it, Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, But, you know, he he mentioned I I thought this was interesting is probably in the late 70s, 80s. He was renting an actual Airstream and and trailering it to Jackrabbit Run. And that is a loop where you bring your own trailer and you'd have to back it in and stuff, which depending on the size of the Airstream and the loop, that's that's no small task to do. So kudos to you, John.
1: Yeah, exactly. So thanks a lot, John, for, for writing in. And he ends his thing as a kid, Walt Disney World was like nothing else he has ever experienced. That's true.
2: All right, I'm going to go next. We ready? Here we go. Uh, This one is from Craig. He says, hi, guys. First, I want to say that I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I'm listening to your most recent one on the 50th anniversary, and the topic of customer service came up. He thought he'd share a couple things that happened uh, a couple years ago. One simple thing was driving to Animal Kingdom. He accidentally got in the wrong lane which took us to VIP parking or whatever they call it now. He explained to the attendant that uh, he accidentally got in the wrong lane, didn't pay for it, and asked what he should do. She said, no worries, just go ahead and park up there. Then she saw my kids in the car and asked them why we were here, and we just said, because we're just coming to the parks. She gave them pins, and uh, then she offers all bottled waters because it was hot. So he didn't pay for VIP, got the (laughs) VIP parking, free pins and free water. So look at that. And uh, another thing that happened, which is even more amazing, was we were walking through Future World at Epcot and suddenly a person who worked in food service came up to us. I don't know if she was a chef or whatnot, but uh, she had the attire on and asked my boys what their names were. So they said, "Uh, I'm Sam and I'm Eli. And she said, well, Mickey has been looking for you. What what a thrill as a kid to have a worker come up and say that to you. It's crazy. Uh, she hands them two t- cupcakes and says, Mickey just got these for you. I have no idea why she picked us. Uh, they're just walking along. And so my younger son who has autism said he wants to thank Mickey. And so she said, well, come with me. And she brought us to the front of the line to meet and greet Mickey. Craig goes on to say, it's the little things like that, that go such a long way. And in uh, Brian's point about other parks, not treating children with autism as well as Disney does. I do have to say that we were, We've been pass holders at Legoland probably since the park opened, and they treat children with autism very well. Uh, now, I don't know if that was after Disney or not, but their customer service is probably the next best to Disney in the area. So good to know on that one. That is good to know, yeah. Yeah. I uh, said so Here we go. SeaWorld, on the other hand, offers a little bit, but has a long way to go. Can't speak about it because he's never been there. But uh Thanks for that, Craig. That's a great story, and I I totally agree. And I think those little bits of magic I never really experienced those in the park till I went with my daughter for the first few trips, and they really f- they don't focus on the thirty year old man walking through alone as much as the <laughs> four year old girl. I'll just say, yeah. I, and, I mean,
4: I remember buying I was at Chero's with my nephews. Like I bought one, and they handed us two. You know, like like, and so my sister's like, "Why'd you get this? They gave me a second one. Like here you go. And another one I remember was uh, not food service related, but when I, when we took my niece, uh, we were she was dressed. I think she was. I don't know if she had like a Tinkerbell shirt on or whatever. But we were in uh, the store. It was the couture, the 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 store by the castle that was the like Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. But it wasn't the boutique. It was the it was the 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 store near there that I think it was a hat shop. Maybe I don't know. Oh, it's okay. the hat store? There was a there was a like. There was a Tinkerbell store or something. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Tinkerbell store shop. The ca- yeah. yeah. The cast member ran over to her and was like, oh, Tinkerbell wants to talk to you. And I think she put her on the phone with her or she waved something in the store. D- I don't know. There's like 50 people yelling at their radios right now. It's like, "ah," like, the- ah! <laughs> but but it was like they just picked her and like, did a ni- nice thing because she was in the store. And I love when they do stuff like that.
2: Oh, oh it's great. Cool. We, we got many times that trip of the uh- – this one's on Mickey. That's what they say a lot of times. Yeah. And then I'd do the move where I'd take a picture of my daughter eating a cronut bigger than her head that was free. <laughs> and uh, you tweet at Disney, and they they give the cast member the shout-out. And then I thought it was hilarious. They they tweeted at us, and it was the cast member that gave us the cronut holding up the picture of my daughter. They printed it out on a piece of paper, so it was like this you know, picture inside of a picture effect. It was pretty cool
4: uh either you guys have a free stuff or magical moment thing to throw in there yeah brian i I do
1: have uh, another one we were in disneyland when my son was young and um uh we were sitting watching waiting for a parade or watching something on main street and and we saw the band coming down and this cast member kind of runs and we thought she was just shooing people back uh you know against the curbs the band could get through and they she looked at my son and spotted him and grabbed his hand said you want you want to come in with me and Bought him to the center of the street, and the uh, conductor came over, handed him the wand, and they introduced him. Conlon from New Hampshire, he's come all the way from New Hampshire. They thought that was amazing that we flew all the way across country to go to Disneyland. And they asked him to conduct the Disneyland band, and he put his arm out as stiff as a board, and the speed that he moved his hand is the speed that they played the bare necessities. Mickey Mouse got frustrated, put his hand on his forehead, ran over to my son, picked up his hand and started moving him faster to get the (laughs) tempo going. And everybody gave him a a round of applause and he got a special button for it. So that was an awesome little thing. So a lot of fun. So I'd love to see more of that, that type of stuff. Uh, So how I think you've got the next one here. This is this is quite
4: a lot of. Yeah, this from is Claudia. Our, this is our friend Claudia who, who who checks in with us after most e- episodes and uh, yeah she 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 put a lot together for you. How she's our friend who was a, a an international cast member from Mexico, uh, but now lives in the United Kingdom and 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 writes to us. So you got your work cut out for you because Claudia Claudia organized her thoughts here. Well, that's thank you, Claudia, for making it easier for me then.
5: All right. So here we go. She writes, it was so interesting to listen to the uh, latest episode of your podcast. I felt like I was eavesdropping on a conversation that I was enjoying very much. Well, that's, that's such a nice thing to say. Uh, but also I was, as I was listening again, of course I couldn't butt in and tell my stories. So as a way to get these off my chest and to share my thoughts, here's, uh, what I wanted to say while you guys were chatting away. And oh, this is awesome. Ready to go. Uh, I, I picked up some of the themes in the podcast and I've organized my comments in the same way. So here's uh, sort of the structure. So on phases of visit, she said, I definitely related to this. I have some very distinct phases of Walt Disney World visits from the time I could remember first visiting when I was a little kid. Uh, those first visits I remembered would always involve a long drive over three days as they were coming in from Monterey, Mexico. Like. I can't believe someone would drive from Mexico, but she says, uh, I can still remember all the places that we would stop, including the U S border, not south of the border. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. Um,
5: we, where we would spend the night, how exciting it was to first get into the U S getting onto I 10, then, uh, leaving Texas, crossing into Mississippi, then getting to Florida and then finally on I four and down to Orlando. Jeez. Um, we'd spend a good, How, I I'd
2: like to add that is, I just mapped it a 22 hour drive. Okay. That's serious. That's serious. A serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'd spend a week there here and there,
5: or no, we'd spend a week in there and then have to do it all in reverse. Um, they did that for a number of years, once a year, at least, uh, in the eighties and into the early nineties, uh, until the time, uh, when she was organizing trips with her own friends. Um, we flew there and back, and I was the main organizer 100%. Um, she loved going to the travel agency and working out all the details. Um, it was short but awesome second phase, as they did that a couple of times while she was in university. In her third phase is when she was living there in Orlando uh, at Walt Disney World as part of the international program. So, God, I mean, imagine that. She liked it so much coming to visit, she decided to sign up for the international program, too, which is fantastic. And she says, well, I loved it. Um, I could write a whole other email just with the adventures and experiences that I had that year. And actually, I'm I'm probably going to ask you to do that because I find that fascinating personally. Um, But I will say I I don't think uh, this experience made me change the way that I view the parks as much as many AP holders say, Um, perhaps because she knew it wasn't permanent. uh, And while she was living there, um, there was always going to be kind of a finish date. So uh, when she eventually left, it was to move to the UK. And this starts phase four of her trips. I wonder if she met somebody in the international program and that's why she moved to the UK. I wonder if, I wonder, if, so I'm gonna find out. Curious minds wanna know. Uh, anyways, uh, the hardest part for her now is only being able to visit every five or six years. Uh, and then obviously they have to fly all the way over to the United States and that's very expensive. So. You could say, she says, you could say I've had possibly the widest variety of experiences for visiting Walt Disney World. I know what it's like to be there 100% of the time. And I also know what it's like to be there. I'd be way over here, pining away for the time when I could return. So I'm
4: curious if she gets to go to Disneyland Paris because, it, you know, I, I'm a fan of the park. It's a beautiful park and it's not far from where she lives. So that's true. Hope, hopefully she gets to to visit Disneyland Paris in between the uh, the, the five or six year trips here. And that's back open again, I saw
5: as of last month or so. So, Um, all right, so number two, um, memories of the things that passed uh, that they'd visited Walt Disney World with. So it's just a big time. To make a long story short as I can, my visits back from Mexico, uh, back to Mexico from the UK, aren't very frequent for the reasons, but one way to make things easier for everyone was to meet somewhere like Walt Disney World, Oh, I see. So the Walt Disney World becomes like a hub to meet people. Oh. Yeah. Um, which totally makes sense. If I, if I had people from all over the world that I was trying to get together with, I'd be like, oh, let's just meet in Disney. Why wouldn't you do that? Of course, fun for everybody. Because
4: everybody flies there, right? There's always like packages to Orlando no matter where you live, so. Right,
5: yeah, absolutely. Um, and after many years of talking about it with their family, uh, they finally decided to make plans and meet there and visit the parks together in the summer of 2016. Uh, Oh, unfortunately, unexpectedly, my dad died early on in the year, Uh, but we decided to press on with the plans, mainly because we found amongst his papers a quote he got from the travel agency for the flights for him and my mom. Um, Oh, so um, he was looking forward to this and we went ahead with the visit, but um, she'll always regret that it took so long to finally do it. And she remembers that visit fondly, but also it's bittersweet. Because, you know, she questions would it have been better if he had been with us. So uh, she says, we'll, we'll never know.
4: Well, now she's making us cry.
5: So, uh, so on a brighter note. The third section is about the closed attractions uh, that she misses. She starts off with the Odyssey
1: here, though that—that's death in general. That's going to make other people cry.
4: But, <laughs> yeah. she, but she acknowledges that it's a strange reason that she exactly. loves the Odyssey. Let's hear it.
5: So she says she, she thinks she only ate there once and remembered as being fairly quiet, spacious, and had lovely views. There's something about that place. I just love it. So she says when she started working at Epcot in 1995, the place was already closed, uh, but it could be reached from a cast member restaurant, which is directly behind the Odyssey. And we've talked about that. And sometimes she would sneak in, uh, look at the big, dark, empty space. Oh, that's cool. Um, it was so weird then as everything was still in place as if they were expecting to open the food service up again once more. Um, I never did it again. And in early 1996, I picked up a lot of ships working in the Odyssey for the Flower and Garden Festival. Oh, yeah, right, because they yeah. did finally start to open yeah. up again, um, which had a little merch booth in there and some displays of flowers or something. Said she loved those shifts as they were very early so she could leave early and have lots of park-wandering time uh, to herself. Oh, cool. Uh, one of those sit in a bench and watch the world goodbye moments that you guys mentioned uh, while her friends finished up their shifts. Uh, as a Mexico cast member, we also worked in the baby services area a lot. Oh, that's interesting. Makes sense. I know sometimes they group you in sort of like a location. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and so again, another Odyssey connection. Um, but before our shift started in Mexico, we would sometimes have little meetings with our attractions and merch leads, and these would be held in the Odyssey. So she had yet another chance to sit in that lovely place. So oh, that's cool. So, wow, that was quite an Odyssey about the Odyssey. Uh, so number four, experiencing attractions before they actually experiencing them. Um, She says, I hear what you say there is potential for spoilers with all the available info on social media these days on, uh, you know, whatever Walt Disney World is putting out. Like, I still haven't been on Rise of the Resistance and I got to scroll past like every photo I see of Rise of the Resistance (laughs) on Twitter because I know that's just all of it. Anyways, uh, perhaps even too much info, I'd argue. However, uh, there's a precedent for it. Uh, what about Walt and the Disneyland show? He knew the benefit of promoting these things before they were experienced. And I guess at least the official Disney messages are going for this sort of promo. And, uh, what she's referring to is, you know, back in the old Disneyland television show. I mean, Walt would literally walk you through. Here's what pirates is going to be. They showed the entirety of the Tiki room on the program and they would show you like literally the entire attraction before you had a chance to ride it. So she's right. They, they absolutely did do that on the TV shows. Um, besides the sort, of, I quite like this sort of content because those behind the scenes things usually give you great context and a, a lead lead to greater appreciation of just how much effort goes into the attractions. Uh, it also makes uh, me the nerd that knows Disney things. So that, that is true. I think we all we all enjoy that aspect of it. And I don't know, after I ride... Rise of resistance. I'll probably hit every video on YouTube of like how it's done. <laughs> uh, number five. This is her last one is excellent guest service. She's, I love this
4: story. I right. really love this story.
5: She says, absolutely. I have lots of stories too, but my favorite is one time when I was working in the Mexico tourist office, it was relatively late in the day. We were too busy. And in that position, you mainly stamp the little kids passports, I guess. And uh, even though she hadn't done many, uh, it was close to illumination, so the plaza was pretty quiet when a mom and her daughter, perhaps about five or six, approached the counter. Uh, they wanted their passport signed, and the little girl seemed upset, like she just finished crying. Uh, trained very well as I, as we are, I was chatting with the mom and learned that this was the second passport she had, as the little girl had lost hers not too long ago. And of course, it was all nearly signed, so... Um, this one had only been signed in Norway and Mexico, but of course it was nearly end of the day, so there was no time to do it all over again. Um during the conversation, I learned where they were staying at one of the Disney hotels and how long they were staying for. I knew I was off the next day. Oh my gosh, I can see where this is going. Yeah. And so I quickly formed a plan, get a new passport and run around World Showcase to get it all signed for her. Um I might be even able to get a few other signatures in there. So that's what she did on my day off. I got a new passport and went all around the lagoon explaining to the cast members, most of whom I knew anyway, most of whom I knew anyways. Uh, we all live and hang out together. Um, so they made extra efforts with drawings, long entries, etc. Also arranged for you characters to add their autographs. One of my roommates work was a friend of Mickey and a few others um, so she could uh, do the signatures. And we got a few of her friends to add some to in the end. Uh, or in the end, the passport was a thing of beauty. Uh, then I went to the guest hotel and left it for them in the reception along with a note and some other trinkets. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. What a nice thing to do. Holy cow, Claudia. You're my new favorite listener. Um, a few weeks later, I got a letter from the little girl thanking me and she included a drawing of me. Uh, by then I'd forgotten what I'd done. So, uh, getting it was quite the surprise and I still have that letter. <laughs> I wonder if that little girl or her mom ever tells anyone this story. And I wish I could have been there when she received the passport. Even mine wasn't that good. Uh, she's Claudia says, wow, that was much longer than I planned. Thanks for your time and keep up the great work. No, thank you, Claudia, yeah, really. for that fantastic letter. And wow, what a great story. That's a story. great story. Yeah. Just fantastic. terrific. All right. There's, there's the real Disney difference. It's, not you know, that's.
4: It really it's, is. It's a. It's a what is it, a an ethos or a way of life or a belief system or whatever you want to call it. But uh, there's a certain segment of the cast and the company that that really I don't want I don't like to say used to because there's still a lot of people who subscribe to it and bring it every day. Uh, but we all have memories of it in the past. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, there's the difference
5: between, uh, you know, that's what maybe what traditions does well is sort of for someone, you know. If you're a burger flipper, you, you know, you care to a certain extent about your job, right. but really it's like once, once you clock off, you're done for the day.
4: Yeah, and traditions is the uh, orientation program for yeah. cast members.
5: So going through traditions and understanding the history and, and her being a fan, you know, I, I can, I can definitely see how, you know, there's still probably a large, uh, population of the cast that, you know, genuinely cares, you know, it's not, they're not just there doing their job. It's not just a product, uh, You know, it's it's something that they really love and believe in and uh, working their tails off in order to make that extra magic for that little girl is like that's just such a great thing.
2: Uh, How I'm going to hop in here after this one. Speaking of the exceptional customer service, this one kind of blew my mind too. this from our buddy, Matt uh, Horizons one on Twitter. He kind of just tweeted us a quick thing. He says, uh, Brian, talking about uh, the customer service. Reminded him of something that happened. He was 10 or 11. His mom had uh, major back surgery about a year earlier, and they celebrated her recovery by renting a cabin at Fort Wilderness. They arrived fairly late in the day, and she was very tired, so she went to lay down in the bed. But it was an extremely soft mattress, and we literally had to help her out of it. And this was about 8 p.m. And they called down at the front desk to see if there was any chance they had something that was a bit more firm for her to sleep on. They said they'd send someone right over. Fifteen minutes later, two guys pulled up in a truck. They explained the situation, how she couldn't sleep on the cushy bed. They come in, they look at the bed, and they say, give us 20 minutes. A few minutes later, he's in the living room, and here's a banging on the power tools outside. They were literally building her a new bed, wow. and another truck pulled up with a brand new mattress. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. That is like, un- uh, that's incredible. Yeah, and I mean, I, I haven't seen something that extreme and building whole beds and stuff. But I'm imagining that uh, you know it was it was the Murphy bed she was on because the, they used to always they still they used to have always have a Murphy bed. And you wonder, was it like they just couldn't change the mattress on that that easily. So they had to figure out some some extra option or something like that to put out there. But I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear which bed was too soft. That's solid.
4: amazing. Yeah. And that yeah. was in response to the story I told on our episode about my glasses disintegrating. And some guy from maintenance, when I went to guest relations, came out. And like 10 minutes later, he had put these tiny little screws in and fastooned my uh, my my glasses back together so that I could enjoy my day in Disney MGM Studios. And it was, we got a lot of feedback on that. Like people like, wow, what a great story. And, you know, that was a great story, Matt. All right. Our next one here is from
1: Ramon Vega uh, from San Juan, Puerto Rico. He says, I just want to congratulate you guys on this last 50th anniversary episode. Uh, the fact that it was not scripted genuine real heartfelt and above all sincere has made it a top three for me my eyes watered a few times listening to it walt disney world is such a special place for many of us and that few understand this week i head to fort wilderness cabin with my five-year-old and all i can think is making memories like your last episode highlight again congrats and thank you for such a wonderful wonderful episode ramon you're very welcome and uh it, it did come from the heart and um it really was all of our feelings wrapped up.
4: Yeah. Our our next letter was a really short email from our friend, Dr. Michael Landis, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, is, I'll call him a super fan. We, we we generally get feedback from most episodes from him. Uh, he says, great stuff, guys. The end turned into a therapy session for those of us struggling with the dramatic changes in the parks today <laughs> uh, under the Iger and Chappick eras with all the IP being introduced, et cetera. You make some very good points that made me rethink some of my despondency over the future of the parks. And that was our discussion towards the end of the show where we were just talking about you know the, the memories that we draw on, and in our case, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, that there are kids of the 90s and 2000s who hold on to different things than we did and that generations today will hold on to park experiences that they have today that don't necessarily jibe with us because we're not the target audience anymore. And uh, and Michael, you know, found our our uh, our commentary a little therapeutic, so we appreciate that. But he also answered the call today uh, twice to send in some memories, and he has a couple of great ones to share with us, including getting married there. So let's why don't we cue that up and listen to our first caller.
6: Hello, this is Michael Landis. I'm a longtime listener and participant. I'm responding to the social media call for favorite Disney World stories. Uh, my favorite story is the fact that I got married there. Uh, my now wife, uh, when we, we first started dating, uh, we went. I took her to the Epcot Food and Wine Festival for the opening weekend. Back then it started at the end of September. Uh, we had a blast. We fell in love, romance, all that. Um, and just a few years later, uh, we got married at Walt Disney World. We planned our wedding there and we stayed in uh, at the um, Old Key West Resort. We had our rehearsal dinner at the uh, Italian restaurant. I don't know what it's called right now. um, At Downtown Disney, uh, Downtown Disney then, Disney Springs now. Um, And then we had uh, the wedding exchange of vows at the Wedding Pavilion. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And then we had the reception at the Yacht Club. Uh, we went, we had an hour and a half cocktails hour and a rum bar and it was with live music. And then we had a huge party, went into the night. And then, uh, when we were done at the yacht club, the entire wedding, 70 plus guests, we walked around, uh, Crescent Lake over to, uh, the boardwalk where we partied at the nightclub there, um, and went into the night. Uh, we saw the uh, illuminations, the fireworks from illuminations from uh, from the boardwalk it was a it was a perfect evening and then the next several days uh, everyone who attended the wedding stayed at Walt Disney World with us and we did the parks and in fact the very next morning after the wedding this was kind of a crazy decision but we did the uh, famous tequila lunch as part of the food and wine festival so even though everyone was uh, having lack of sleep and super hungover and tired from partying the previous day a um, bunch of us gathered. At the mexico pavilion and had that tequila lunch and you know started the party again we did the drink around epcot ended with illuminations we did basically that for the next several days and much to our surprise our wedding planner actually uh, added some nights to our stay at the yacht club so we got uh, some surprise extra time in the parks it was it was amazing the wedding experience is tremendous our wedding planner did things that we didn't even expect uh, or hope for and it was uh can't be beat can't be beat best memory ever Thanks, Brian.
5: Uh, so the next one comes from Scott Dieter, uh, who sent this to us on, on the gram. He says, I've been enjoying you guys' podcast so much lately. I was practically moved to tears after the 50th anniversary episode. Uh, you guys are doing amazing work, and I enjoy it. All right,
4: all right. That's, you know. No, no, no! Don't, no, g- no. don't give us—tell us, us how right. great we are.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's by design or kismet, but you four have such great dovetailing experiences. You compliment one—you complement one another so very well. Uh, as the format has coalesced, it really has become some amazing broadcasting. That's that is a lovely thing, and, I, and and I do think one of the secrets I I think to us is we all have had a very broad range of experiences. We have just enough age differences between us that. Uh, we have different perspectives and we're at different places in our lives. You know, we have some commonalities, some of us has kids, some of us don't, some are just getting families going there. So I, yeah. I agree. I, I think, uh, I, I think this was an amazing thing that we found each other and, and it's all worked out so well.
4: Yes. Thank you very, very much, Scott. We appreciate that. Scott also is the uh, proprietor, Of the greatest home tiki bar in Central Florida, isn't he, how that (laughs) that, that room he's built there in his house is like having your own little Trader Sam's. It's awesome.
1: All right. Our next one comes from, uh, this is from Twitter, uh, JLB Nerdy. Y'all got me with this one. I knew I'd cry a little. And uh, going in November with two and a half year old niece for her first trip, just over a year after we lost her mother, I'm going to make sure to pack the waterproof mascara. And yeah, yeah. If I have one piece of advice, enjoy it and look at the parks and the experience through your niece's eyes, because it will it will open your own eyes to that as well.
4: All right. Uh, We also got a tweet from Josh T. Dixon. And Josh said, I didn't come on board until I saw a group of men, meaning us, presumably all mad. Accurate. Josh. Yeah. Had recorded over seven hours of material on Horizons two years ago. After catching up and finishing episode 71 last night, I hope Retro WDW continues for many years to come. Happy 50th, lads. Thank you so much. We also hope it continues for many years to come. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of fun putting it together.
1: So, uh,
5: so, so Brian, why don't, we, uh, why don't we go to another one of our voicemails? This one is going to be from uh, Andrew. Hi, my name is Andrew. I just want to
3: leave a 50th memory. Every December, late 70s, early 80s, we'd always go to Walt Disney World to stay at the Contemporary. Go on Main Street in the morning and order a cake at Sarah Lee on the way out of the Magic Kingdom. Take that cake back to the Contemporary and celebrate my birthday and watch the Electrical Water Pageant. For sure would never happen today. One of the most fondest memories of Walt Disney World. Thank you.
5: What a cool way to celebrate your birthday by getting yeah. a cake in the park and taking it back to your hotel.
4: <laughs> you know, when we got that 1980 menu book that we shared on that you can download from the site, uh, search for it. It's a PDF of every menu that and pricing uh, on site. And we found some great research material in there but one of the things I was excited about were the sheet cakes that you could order from the Sarah Lee bakery that you could order a birthday cake a half sheet a whole sheet you know fancy uh fancy icings and things like that and the, the price list was right there and yes I can think of nothing more I'd like to do than to pick up like a half sheet cake on my way out of the the magic kingdom <laughs> right? to take to my hotel room and just drown my sorrows bite uh, by bite. I am going to see if I can get this is like
5: my goal for I don't know 55th birthday. I want to get an electrical water pageant cake with the dragon on it and take it back to the contemporary and watch electrical water pageant just like Andrew did cuz I yes. think that would be awesome.
1: That'd be awesome. Only if we order a bucket of shrimp and a pitcher of uh, margaritas. <laughs> right. That's, <laughs> that's that's my request. Oh, uh, the <laughs> so. chilled
4: shrimp. Basically. Yes.
1: All right, I have a couple tweets here from Bob Rowan, and uh, I know JT's going to snicker and, and laugh at the second one here. So Bob uh, sent us a tweet, and his first one is uh, for you, Brian. He says, he got caught up on Retro WDW episode today and the Brian P. Miles story about being in the parks during a big news event hits home. Uh, he says his father told the story of after a long day, a waiter asking, do you think he'll be okay on us? Asking who? Only to find out President Reagan had been shot. So that mm-hmm. happened well. While uh, Bob was down there and uh, he says, I also watched the O.J. Simpson low speed car chase (laughs) from a hotel room on (laughs) Disney property. So somehow we weren't able to remain blissfully unaware of that. Um, But here you go, JT. You you now get a chance to pick on me and and we're going to actually add Bob to the club in, in a different way here. So Bob also tweeted out, I'd like to come to the defense of Todd. Apparently, the gold key plan wasn't all the exclusive of a group thing than they, if they gave me a card. We were a little slow to realize all it entitled to us, though. So I wonder if it's too late to pick up my free car. So I I, I think there's more to this story. I'd love to know if, if they did not use everything that came with the, the gold key and they didn't realize what they had purchased. But I'm going to do digging on the gold key. I'm going to do a little mini episode or a segment coming up on it. And, what the prices were and what you included in the tiers. Because JT, I think you want to know that and you want to continue to pick on me and my lobster tails.
2: I love stuff like this. This is like why, you know, it's – so think, think, this was lost to history. Yeah. You had it and you don't know what it is. I, I'd even like a, a mini movie night on this where you it pull was, out the card and you explain it I to everybody. Could It'd be great.
1: I also have food and, food and Fun was another program that we'll talk about. I've mentioned that many times. And no Food and Fun? Food and Fun. And it was- yeah, It was another package. It was now, another was package. was that
2: included with the gold key? Or? No, no,
1: no. This was after the gold key. Well, the gold key was had a new name by that point, but the Food and Fun was a mid-tier package before Disney dining. Uh, and you basically got coupon books. And it was amazingly heavy in terms of the number of coupons that you got to do for what you paid. So we'll do that one, too. I still have coupons left. They obviously have expired. You can't use them. But um, I, I could go through them and, you know, show you what what was still left after, a, you know, a five or six day visit. It was insane how much you could get done. So. So, so JT, cool. I'm going to turn over to you. next. One, we got a uh, another one here from uh, Twitter on the Twitter sphere.
2: Next up, like you said, is from uh, Just Ellen. I guess seriously, guys, I'm floored. Respectful nostalgia that's neither cynical nor cloyingly rose-colored is such a hard balance, and you nailed it. A delight to hear more of your stories. I haven't been to WDW in six years, and this may have be the most I've missed it. Well, thanks, Ellen. Yeah, and I think that's uh, it's it's a fine line. You know, you talk about this stuff, and I mean, I think that was the main gist of the whole article. Whether there's the negativity of the pandemic, the negativity of this, the the positive, the whatever it is, these are still, you know, for the most part, I think most people have good memories from the trip. And that's yeah. just kind of what we like to put out there is that there was, there's, there's, there's more good than bad. And, and everybody's got the good memories in there somewhere. I
4: appreciate that observation, Ellen. And I, I do think that we, I think we don't idealize it. You know, I think it's easy to get idealized and, Things end up in mythic canon, especially with the walt stuff and everything and I always think that we've kind of kept it uh respectful as <laughs> she says, uh mm-hmm. but not cynical yeah,
1: I want to add something else there because this is you know you know we're doing this in a historical aspect too there is no benefit for us to entice people to go and and entice people to. Get excited about what's there now, and and
4: no, and put I, put the put you know polish the the what do they say polish the turd so to speak, right? I I, I try to tell people you weren't missing nothing with twenty thousand leagues under the sea. It was a boring ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was unique, but yeah, it yeah. didn't
1: have a lot. So uh, we're going to hear a little bit of this uh, when we talk about Maelstrom, right? Uh, and, uh, easily, but I think that's that's a lot of it. And also, too, thank you for saying seriously you nailed it. It just I should definitely have uh whiskey every time we record because we're, I have a few we're that. We're now going
4: to get to do a whole episode <laughs> of the hate mail we get for me saying that 20,000 leaks. was <laughs> a <the> boring ride. <laughs> That's right. So,
1: all right. Uh, Yvonne also wrote us in here, um, which I, as she stated, this one's all Utah. Exactly. At servo is naked. Um, I, she says, I've truly made it tiny Mike and me got a shout out on the newest retro W episode. If you all bring the lip shaped couch, I'll make sure to be, to bring tiny Mike. So uh, yeah, Yvonne is a great follow of ours and a long time follower. And she has this little tiny microphone she goes around and interviews things. So, and uh, <laughs> makes silly things at the park. So, I might have to find a big uh, inflatable catch because the tiny mic interviewing giant lips would certainly be hilarious. So,
5: remember, we, we actually went into deep detail about which <laughs> lip shaped couches <laughs> were
4: available. That <laughs> it was for too Mar- much. For Mariah Carey's uh, uh, supposed uh, rider contract. Oh, my yes. goodness. The things we do for folks. We, yeah. we do have a good phone call here from our friend Scott Ledwig. Oh, yeah. And uh, we should listen to what Scott had to say. Uh, I
3: just want to say on the memories for the 50th, um, I'm a couple of years older than the park. And when I was a little kid, it was always my dream to go to Disney World. fascinated by the attraction albums, the section in the Art of Disney book showing the Utilidor and all the park info just completely mesmerized me. But I didn't get to go until 1994, spring break in graduate school. Uh, my eventual wife and I drove down, and it was just like a dream come true. I'd been to Disneyland a couple times because I lived in Southern California a few years before that. But uh, to go to Disney World was just amazing. And we've got a picture, the very first picture taken in the parks is me sitting in front of the uh, late lamented Adventureland sign that was off to the side and with a smile that just goes from ear to ear. And uh, 24 trips later, uh, I still have that exact same feeling when I go to the resort. So I love Disneyland, but uh, Disney World was was definitely something special. And I uh, can't wait to get back down there again uh, in November and again and again and again. Uh, thanks for the podcast, guys.
1: Well, thanks, Scott, for writing in a lot. He's a long longtime long time listener. That's not yeah. a first
4: time, long time. you know, frequent that's... attendee of our events. And exactly. And, and everything else. But uh, Todd or uh, Scott, I, I mean, I wasn't I was 13 when I finally went and. I know the feeling like you just would see it on TV and you'd see my, my aunt would bring back like souvenir books when she went. So she's like, man, I I need to go there. So what, what I, think that's an experience. A lot of us can, can relate to, especially people who didn't get to go until they were a little older. All right. Well, since I think we're on a roll with the call, so
5: let's take another call Mm -hmm. real quick. Uh, this one is from Justin. Uh, so let's, he, he lives in Orlando. Um, but he has kind of a, a little sad memory. So, Let's uh, let's listen to that.
7: Uh, my favorite Disney memory—it's uh, actually a little sad. Uh, it was when I was about ten. Uh, my mom took me to the Magic Kingdom when she was battling breast cancer, and there was parade. It was the Mickey-centered parade, and it had these little poof balls that would uh, come out from one of the floats. Uh, it was red and black poof balls, and. My mom wanted me to have one, and so she went and bent down and picked it up on Main Street. And as she was bending down, it was the only time that I saw part of her wig come off when she was battling breast cancer. Um, that was the only time was there at the Magic Kingdom uh, when she took me there and we watched the parade. So that always just sticks out to me, and I've had so many fun, I would say happier memories, but that one definitely sticks out. Thank you for the great work you all do on the podcast. And uh, look forward to hearing the next
1: episode. I think we all have the special people that we went to the parks with that aren't there anymore. And we have those moments. And we, we talked about that as well on the episode.
4: And I hope that uh, your mom came out of it all right and hung in there. You know, it's, uh, but it's it's a story we all have. We see people who, uh, who are battling things there all the time. And, you know, it's part of what we talked about on the episode was how it was a special place for people going through, through tough times. So thanks for sharing that story. And, uh, I, you know, I,
5: I tell the story. It's like I, I've done a couple of Walt Disney World marathons uh, and, and I realized the day that I realized that I was not a marathon runner was the day that I got passed by a 79 year old breast cancer survivor because that was written on her T-shirt. She just like hauled ass right past me. And I was like, all right, this is right, obviously hang- not. He's hanging up the cleats. This is not my sport.
2: But that's the best, though. You're like, hey. Right. I got but keep going. so
4: much respect for that. So much oh, yeah. respect for that. Well, speaking of how uh, being passed by people and, and how's, uh, you know, travel issues, uh, not only on the sneakers, but in his car, we got a number of replies uh, through Twitter and messages to your discussion of Champions Gate mm. and the perils of traveling I-4 on the last episode. Uh, So we should mention it here. Uh, Nathan, Nathan Hartman, at Some Stuff Said on Twitter, uh, said that Go Away Green, that's how, saying on Retro WDW, that he sometimes doesn't want to go to Disney because of the nonsense that is Champions Gate. I felt that deeply. And Six Miles Tall uh, on Twitter responded, maybe this might help inspire Go Away Green to drive to the vacation kingdom more often. And he's got a still frame of Walt doing the Epcot film, <clears throat> and pointing at Central Florida, and a clip of Walt's uh, narration. There, as he says, "As you can see on this map, we have a perfect location in Florida, almost in the very
3: center of the state. In fact, we selected this site because it's so easy for tourists and Florida residents to get here by automobile."
4: Well, how Walt says you're
1: wrong. <laughs> Because it, can, look, there's there's only like six roads leading to Orlando, so according to his map, so you should be fine. You can get there anywhere. Like one of
4: the ones that isn't crowded.
5: If exactly. there was a way to go around Champions Gate, oh my God, I would.
1: For the uneducated and and those listeners, and including myself, can you describe what Champions Gate is
5: officially? What it, what it is? It is it is a community that is uh, I think two exits down from uh, from Walt Disney World, and for some reason, the traffic there is just horrendous. It doesn't matter what time of the day I seem to go. It could be morning. It could be evening. Uh, If I'm driving to the park, there's probably a 40-minute
4: backup around it. Yeah. And it's it's just like a a highway suddenly just becomes a semi-parking lot. Wow. And the the big issue is there is no alternate route. It's not like you can hop off. And like, you know, Todd, you and I, we live in the Northeast. There's always seven other roads. To get you somewhere, or, yeah, you know,
2: smaller or just, too lane. yeah,
4: or, or local roads and, you know, streets and communities and stuff you can drive through to get there. Uh, the problem with Central Florida all having been built, I mean, we say the last 50 years, but it's really the last 30. Because you know, for the first 20 years, it was still pretty sparsely built up. Uh, is that there's no secondary roads or anything. They haven't built them yet.
5: Yeah, it's. It, and it's in Polk County, I guess. So I guess the my wife worked for the transportation department or uh, worked with the transportation department for a while. And I guess the seat, the center of like where all that planning is done is very far away from this. So, like, it's not even on their radar. I mean, it might be by now, but for a long time, it's far away from what, you know, the main people it's, are concerned about. And it's probably yeah, it's very a, rural and it's a state issue, too, because it's, you know, a state road dumping into this county road and. But uh, you know, Champions Gate started out as you know sort of another exit community, and then it's just gotten more and more built up. And now there's apartment complexes there, and more restaurants, and it's just it just it doesn't seem to be able to handle the the influx and outflux of traffic.
4: It really the growth the growth around you know Lake Buena Vista, Walt Disney World, in those directions. It reminds me a lot of Las Vegas, where if you went in the '70s and '80s before. Henderson and those year-round communities and permanent residents had built up. Really was Las Vegas was like Disney World in 1971. It was dropped in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing around. And as they have developed literally blocks off the strip, residential communities and strip malls, and you know, it's just it's the worst sprawl you've ever seen. And that's what, when I drive I-4 now, even over the last 10, 15 years, as you start to see pieces of it off there developed between Tampa and, and Orlando, uh, it's like, guys, you got to build a, like a toll road here for for the people who don't want to sit in this local, yeah. you know, I-4 traffic. They, there needs to be a toll road or something. Uh, having grown up on the other side of that,
5: uh, you know, I used to live in the north. East side of Orlando. So it was always East West expressway to I four and down. Like I thought that was arduous, but, and then, uh, moving over to Tampa, like for the first decade or so, it's like, that was clear, but holy cow, that bit of traffic now coming from the South of Walt Disney world is far worse than anything I've ever experienced north of it. So this is, this is quite a sea change. Uh, so all the folks that live in Orlando, you got it easy. (laughs) <laughs> for for those of us, <laughs> uh, you know, to the west and the south, uh, not so much. So, well, how I I appreciate
1: that because I didn't really understand that fully, and I just want to let you know. I just did check Google Maps. It's eleven fifty six p.m. The two exits are still backed up with orange and red right now. Right,
0: <laughs> it's
1: eleven fifty six p.m. And the, the, the you're like, you're going to an Olive Garden, a Chili's, a Panera, and a Dunkin'. Like, what Todd, what are we doing right now?
2: That's the best,
4: Todd. Yeah. Well, I do me know. a uh, favor, Todd. Set your yeah. alarm for three AM mm-hmm. and let me know what it looks like then. Like just record a little snip so we can sure. drop it in here. And- okay. We'll do that. We'll do that. I, <laughs> you know, the even it's not even just getting there, then you're leaving the
5: park. It's like it, if you try to leave anytime between like four o'clock in the afternoon and eight o'clock at night, you will also get caught in this like on the way back. We're in a no-win situation. We are. So that's it does severely limit the Amount of trips that we take to the Walt Disney World Resort right now because it's just un—it's unpleasant to deal with that.
1: It's got to be really disappointing too when when you know Google Maps or Wiki t- tells you you're on the fastest route possible. <laughs> right? right, you're sitting yeah. in traffic. You're on the only <laughs> route possible. <so. laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. I have cool. had that experience where all of a sudden I it just starts to slow down and stop, and I'm like, there was no warning of like an accident or something. No, it's not just the accident. It's just the, the speed of the road. Let's. Talk about how to relax, though, Mm -hmm. uh, when you you are finally at Walt Disney World. People liked when we talked about just finding a bench to sit on. And we got a great call today from Michelle from Los Angeles, who was in the International College Program between 2016 and
8: 2017. So let's listen to Michelle. I've worked at Disney World from the December of 2016 to about February of 2017 as part of an international college program. And it quickly dawned on me that there were very few places in the resort where I could get like some peace, quiet, you know, just a place where I could sit down and be myself. With the exception of one place, uh, which quickly became my favorite place in the entire resort. And that was a little walkway in between the then universe of energy and the mission space pavilion. It was not the area right in front of the defunct Wonders of Life pavilion. It was the area in between these two. Uh, there used to be a coffee shop, a donut place. I don't remember the, the name of the location, but I do remember I would sit down and I would hear very faintly in the background, I would hear the uh, Universe of Energy music loop. And I would do this uh, almost every time I went to Epcot, which was almost always after my work. So it was around five to six. So I would sit there and I would hear the, the tunes of Universe of Energy in the background and then I would have a coffee or a donut. And I would look up at the sky, and I would see Spaceship Earth, you know, uh, right in front of that beautiful magic hour, almost night sky. And I would think that there is something to this place that very few places on Earth can achieve. And when you find it, when you find that magic, it hurts a lot when it's gone. So when I found out that Universal Energy was closing... I really tried to get there one last time to sit on that walkway, to have one last cup of coffee, but I couldn't do it. But as they say in Casablanca, we'll always have that little walkway in between the University of Energy and Mission Space. Thanks.
4: Thank you very much, Michelle. We also, as you know, love to find a nice bench and a place to enjoy a quiet spot in the parks and just relax for a bit. So uh, you captured one of the great things. And I,
1: I would I'd, I'd add a little bit of a recommendation in there, too, is that, Brian, you hit on it earlier when we were younger and, and, and other people have hit on this, that you wanted to go do so many things in the parks. You wanted to make sure that you got on all the attractions. Like you said, if you don't get Big Thunder Mountain, it just makes the next time more special. Try to,
0: uh,
1: when you're visiting with people for the first time or maybe their second visit, try to instill that a little bit on them to take that break because it will make your visit that much more special. Um, and you might find a little spot that they want to come back to the next day or or the next time they're there.
2: And um that's where you make those memories. So I just had that talk with somebody. They were saying uh somebody's asking for travel advice. And I, I almost always dislike giving Disney travel advice because it's my my path and plan is usually different than most people because we've been there so many times, but said the first thing you got to ask yourself is, are you coming back anytime soon? Because that's going to change your urgency level of things. If you're only going once in a, in, a, in a lifetime, then that's a little different than how we go there. But, uh, Michelle, I'd like to add one of my favorite places to sit over there and relax was actually the universe of energy. I would just hop on that ride. You <laughs> get your whole bench and <laughs> sometimes maybe doze off depending on what time of the day you were there. But it was a nice smooth ride that had a little shake to it and it just kept you going and there you uh, go we uh we were i was there spectating marathon weekend one time which was at about way too early and i i was out to wake me (laughs) up at the end (laughs) was that the ellen era yes yes this was just like the year before it closed
4: okay it was a great place to get out of the out of the heat for thirty eight minutes, I think it was. One well, of the areas I love is is the outer rim and
1: the contemporary. I mean just just go up there have a drink. It's just a it's not nearly what as
2: quiet as it was years Remember ago. Remember when we got, took it
1: over? That yes, we yes.
2: took the whole thing. And
1: we had a view of Roy's cabin.
2: Yes. We did. They slid in the outer rim too, I believe, like a chest of drawers. Yes. All right, I'm going to hit up this next one here. This is from uh, Joe. He's got a good name there. Uh, J- Joe is uh, a caller, and he's going to touch base on a Fort Wilderness memory, which I love this. So take it away, Hello, Joe. Hello,
9: this is Joe from Orlando, Florida. And my favorite Disney World memory came back in 1985 during my family's first trip to Fort Wilderness. It was our first night there after a long drive from New Jersey, and we were staying in the original trailers. My father had taken me and one of my sisters for a walk down to the trading post to pick up some supplies and snacks and other things. And it was already dark, and we had just our flashlights to guide us through the trails. And we must have taken a wrong turn, because instead of finding the trading post, we came upon Chip and Dale roasting marshmallows. It was such a surreal sight for me, like these two cartoon characters actually came to life here in Walt Disney World. Once we made it back to our trailer, we spent the whole night bragging about what we had discovered and what had taken place. And it turned out our whole trip was just like that first night. One surprise character meeting after another with me and my sister trading, sisters trading bragging rights over who got to meet whom and, you know, what special character they saw that day. And that was the best part of my early trips to Disney World in the eighties, never knowing what surprises lay ahead. The days were a lot less planned out, and the magical moments were a lot more spontaneous.
2: All right, Joe. Well, uh, you know, first off, you hit on many things of me growing up as a child. Uh, we went on many vacations where it was mandatory as a kid to bring your flashlights because you'd be walking down trails and, and things of that nature. That's I, 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 We always got a flashlight, it seemed like, every few years for Christmas. Uh, we had a, a cabin we stayed at up in Canada. We needed flashlights, so that was awesome. Now, the big one is the uh, you left the trading post. I assume you were at the Meadow and uh, you saw Chip and Dale roasting marshmallows, which is they they do the campfire program. And I don't know, maybe they were just at a separate spot <laughs> hanging out roasting marshmallows. That's awesome. Um, but uh, it, you're right. It is those, those special things that you catch. And that's kind of what makes the trips for me now when I see something out of the ordinary, unique, a surprise, something that you're like, hmm, never heard that one before. Um, my dad always tells the story they were at the Fort Wilderness dock, and I think it was the Magic Kingdom launch, came in a little hot and about ripped off half the dock. He always talks about that one. You're just like, what, <laughs> what a scene. The guy lost his white shoes on that trip, I'm sure, but uh, went back to training. Uh, in r- Right after this, uh, you know... Joe called again, and Joe has a great story at Fort Wilderness with a celebrity. Probably, Joe, we got to hang out. Probably my two favorite things at Disney World combined, celebrities and Fort Wilderness. So let's, let's hear Joe's second message.
9: In the fall of 1988, my whole family took a trip to Disney World for Mickey's 60th birthday, and once again, we stayed at Fort Wilderness. Uh, one night we had reservations for the hoop doo review, but as we checked in, we found out that there was a booking issue and they didn't have room for a whole family, so they set us up, uh, with a reservation for the following night. Now initially, this news made my parents really upset because it had thrown off their plans, but the pet, excuse me, but the cast member started to make things better by informing us that we were going to be sitting next to a well-known celebrity, and no, it wasn't Tom Cruise. Also, that since our plans for that night were canceled, they gave us dinner at Crockett's Tavern on the house. My parents went out of their way to tell his kids to order whatever we wanted and as much as we wanted. And for once, knew what it was like uh, to feel like Todd with the gold key. Now, the following night, the hoop dee do review turned out to be great fun as always. And that celebrity turned out it was Meryl Streep who was there with her whole family on a regular Disney vacation. My uncle even got video proof of her sitting right next to us.
4: I got to tell you, that's amazing. I mean, does Meryl Streep entertain and lead her family as well as she acts like, you know, that's, yeah, ho- that's, she that's, that's, that's Hollywood royalty. Did she eat the shortcake? <laughs> that I want to know because I, I, <laughs> I judge people based on whether they lo- love the strawberry shortcake from, from
2: <laughs> I saw Tom Poof. Cruise in the transcript and I was like, there's no way he sat next to Tom Cruise. <laughs>
4: to so thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for letting us know it wasn't Tom Cruise. It was Meryl Streep. Uh, I hope that made up for the for the reservation foul up and that your parents were sufficiently excited by the fact that Meryl Streep was next to them.
2: You know, it's funny, with you know, not being cynical here and angry, but uh, that wouldn't work today. It'd be like, hey, uh, I got your reservation tomorrow next to Meryl Streep. Be like, I'm sorry. I got Genie Plus. I paid this. I got this reservation. I can't do it. Can't switch. Can't come back. That's true. And what if you're not a Meryl Streep
5: fan? Then you're like, oh, the whole thing's off. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Just wait. Meryl Streep? No, I won't go. Trails End instead.
5: (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. But
1: we did have a couple uh, other comments come in on Twitter because... Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, as well as Retro WDW, have passed a milestone. And uh, that is that uh, this podcast that you're listening to has had over now 1 million downloads. We surpassed the 1 million mark. I missed the day it happened on. I don't know when it happened. It was probably sometime in uh, September, early October so we did have some remarks coming in on that uh underscore uh, rx9 from twitter says congratulations on a million downloads and well deserved this podcast is hands down the best content one will find for walt disney World history i've been a listener for about three years now i re-listened to many of the episodes as each one is such a gem keep up the great work so thank you very much marianne and uh, Jeff Schmidt also wrote to us, as a fan of theme park history in general and Walt Disney World specifically, you folks are hands down the best. The variety and attention to detail are simply unmatched by any history pod that I've tried. Congrats, and here's to the next million. So thank you very much there. And then also photo Chuck via Instagram, So congratulations on the one million mark, loving episode 71, longtime listener, and Disney fan. So thank you, everybody out there thanks to Uh, all of
4: them yeah yeah
1: you guys are the ones that made this possible you're the ones that keep us going and uh with the letters and the tweets and the voicemails that you send us uh it makes us feel really proud that we've created a community where you guys feel inclusive as well as uh you know you're you're hearing stories and hearing things that bring back memories and we love being able to share not only our own thoughts but your thoughts with everybody as well and your and your memories so Um, thanks for keeping us going and, uh, looking forward to the, to the next, uh, well, we took us 71 half a million, Yeah. Next million downloads. We're picking up steam though. We, We are, there's a lot more downloads per month than there was when we first started. Let's put it that way.
2: And what's interesting with that is, you know, we, we throw this stuff out there, but I mean, a lot of it's history, a lot of it's research, but some of our best episodes and our best content is from listeners. We get the stories, the memories come in and it's, it, it leads us down a rabbit hole. You guys hear something else, a photo, a video. It's, it's, it's a, a, a group effort, we'll say, by not just us four, but by everybody that participates and listens as well.
1: Uh, yeah. So a big thank you to all of our listeners. Um, if you can, as always give us a shout out or a review on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting apps. Um, if you're so inclined, please uh, send us a donation to lbvhistory.org forward slash donate, or you can go to retrowdw.com and press the donate button. And we have a great ornament out there. Uh, we discussed on the last uh, episode, uh, but we do have a, uh, we call it the Season's Greetings Tower. So take a look at that. That is your gift for a donation of $35 or more. And uh, we'll get that out to you in the holiday season that's coming up. So really excited about that. It looks just like the Earful Tower. Uh, there's some minor tweaks to it to make the, to make sure it fits your holiday tree or your desk or wherever you want to want to hang it it does
4: not hold actual water so please do not try to fill it with water
1: yeah do, do not try to it's not going to improve the pressure in your in your home or anything like that so uh but with that as always thank you to all of our listeners we appreciate all your feedback you can reach us at podcast at retro and uh until then we'll talk to you next month uh, ne- yeah. big month next our next episode right how we got a we dove into newspapers.com today a little bit on Maelstrom and i went down a Wow, I, I went down a a path on that that Norseman boat that uh, popped up on oh, Twitter. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, we have got some digging to do on that, but uh,
4: Bergen Flergen to do the
1: Bergen Flergen and <laughs> the Flip de Fluven. <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a fun one. I can't wait. We're going to talk about Willard Scott, right? We got to talk about Mister oh, Smuckers himself. So, so many things to talk about. How sweet the it music is! Music from the 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 old Grand Opening thing. It was part of the. July 5th special, we've got the design, the mural. There is so much packed into this. Lots of good stuff. All right, with that, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next month with Maelstrom. With that, Brian, take us out.
4: Follow the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society on Twitter and Instagram at lbvhistory and on the web at lbvhistory.org. For all things retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at retrowdw.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at retrowdw. And follow our hosts, Todd McCartney, on Twitter at WDWMS. Hal Bowers on Twitter and Instagram at GoAwayGreen. JT Couger on Twitter at LS1JT and on YouTube at Rubber City Motoring and on the web at RubberCityMotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Brian P. Miles. Retro Disney World is the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, a nonpartisan, nonprofit, tax exempt 501c3 organization and is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiary or affiliated entities.
0: Remember the night
4: Them cards and letters coming, Mrs. Robinson.